Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right, here we go. Today is February, and our reading is day 7, Exodus 35, 36, and 37. Uh, We have almost completed yet another uh, book of the Bible in our read through the Bible. We'll finish that tomorrow. Five observations. Um, Before we get to those, um, today was a little bit happier reading than yesterday, and it's a good example of of just the the reality of being um, sinful humanity. Uh, Sometimes we do right, sometimes we do wrong, and sometimes uh, what we do is just so frustrating, and what other people do is so frustrating. Other times um, you see examples of obedience, which is always... Uh, a beautiful thing uh, to see. Uh, so let's get to five observations today. Number one, the concept of the Sabbath is again emphasized. Um, if, if this is your first time to read through the Bible, you might be surprised at this repeated theme of the Sabbath. Obviously, this is something the Lord is, is building into um, Old Testament Israel teaching them the importance of, of taking time to rest, taking time to worship, uh, taking time to, to slow down and remember uh, who all of their blessings are from. Number two, uh, the people are invited to give and work as their hearts desire. Um, all throughout this book, we've seen examples of free will offerings and of invitations the people have had to give. Uh, we see that again today in chapter 35, verse 5. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. So the people were invited to give and invited to work uh, as their hearts desire. Number three, the people then responded with generosity and activity. They were invited to give, they were invited to, to work, and the people responded. Um, after where we were in yesterday's reading, uh, with their their sinfulness and their idolatry, um, maybe a bit of a surprise to see how they responded today. But uh, in this invitation, they responded with generosity and with joyful activity. Uh, number four, the joyful response of the people was so extensive, Moses had to restrain them from giving. Chapter 36, verse 6, Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. Uh, they were invited to give. They were invited to participate. They, they joyfully accepted that invitation and did so so extensively um, that Moses had to tell them to, to stop. And then number five, the people did what the Lord called them to do in preparing a place of worship. The Lord's command had gone out of of what they were to do in in constructing the tabernacle. And then Moses gives us detailed um, information of how they did uh, what they were called to do. All of this in preparation uh, of a place to worship. Five applications for us. Number one, the best motive for giving is joy. 
You know, in, in, in churches sometimes, uh, you know, depending on your background, you may have seen all different examples of this. Um, sometimes there's examples of, of trying to guilt people into giving, um, trying to give, uh, manipulate people into giving, um, trying to scare people into giving. And, you know, depending on how emotional the appeal is, sometimes um, people are moved to give through any of those means. But, but the, the best motivation for giving is a heart of joy. Uh, at our church, uh, we, we have a thing called the love account. And we do this whenever we take the Lord's Supper. Um, at the end of a Lord's Supper service, uh, we will put... Uh, an offering plate on the Lord's table and invite our members to give if they want to uh, to what we call our love account. The love account, it doesn't get budget money. Uh, the only money that comes into the love account uh, is after Lord's Supper as our church members, if they choose to, um, give to this love account. And we use that money to help uh, members of our church when they face um, various kinds of unique financial needs. And uh, we, we never manipulate with that. We never guilt. Um, I really feel like I go out of my way. Actually, quite the opposite. I'll tell people they're not expected to give. They're not, um, um, they're not to give out of any kind of guilt or give because they feel like they have to. Uh, it's just if they want to. It's just if they're able to. Um, not everybody every month is at a place where they can give something extra, and that's completely okay. Um, if they would like to, if they are able to, if they have the funds with them that evening, they're, they're invited to give to our love account. Um, but there is no compulsion, there is no manipulation, there is no even expectation. And what we find is our church families just line up to give because they want to, because they're, they're joyful, because they've, they've set their mind that evening on how the Lord gave to us, and it's their joyful response to want to then give to help others. And it really is a beautiful thing to watch, um, just the pure motive of joyful giving. And um, for me, it, it's something that always just blesses my heart to see how our people, moved by nothing other than joy, nothing other than a heart of worship, choose to voluntarily give to that. And, and that really is the, the best motive for giving. I don't think that, that we need to be guilting people to give or twisting arms or manipulating people. The Bible teaches about giving, and I think the church should teach about giving. Uh, the Bible's clear on now, a number of things about our giving. It should be regular. It should be sacrificial. It should be cheerful. And I think pastors should should teach the truth about giving because I think the Lord blesses those who give. But I think when we cross the line into trying to get people to give out of fear or give out of guilt or give people or people twist their arm to give out of any kind of manipulation, um, that that that, that ceases to be worship at that point. Even if they even if they do give something. Uh, the best giving is to simply say, set your mind on the Lord, think about what He has done, and then as a response to His love, as a response to what He has given, to joyfully um, invite your people to respond as, as their heart desires. Uh, the best motive for giving is joy. 
Number two, a community of believers functions best when everyone chooses to be a part. A community of believers functions best when everyone chooses to be a part. In chapter 35, verse 22, so they came, both men and women. Verse 23, and everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tan ramskin or goat skin brought them. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it. Verse 25, and every skillful woman spun with her hands. Verse 26, all the women whose hearts stirred them. Uh, verse 27, all the leaders brought these things with them. Verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Uh, a community of believers functions best when everyone chooses to be a part. And if we bring that into our life today as New Testament Christians, um, when that church, when that local assembly, however large or small it is, when people just choose to, to do their part, choose to give joyfully, choose to serve joyfully, choose to use their gifts however, whenever um, the, the Lord allows opportunity, uh, it, it's such a great thing to watch the church function in that way. You know, it's interesting. We live in a day, and maybe just because of our culture or society, where, um, you know, for some people, the idea of, uh, you know, the, the larger the church, the better. Um, the bigger the congregation, the more skilled the pastor. Um, you know, that, that kind of mentality is, is, is so off. There are, there are very, very faithful churches and very faithful pastors, and they're small congregations. Um, and there are uh, pastors of large churches, and there are large congregations who aren't faithful at all, and, 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 and vice versa, every side of that. Um, a church being small in number or large in number is in no way um, uh, a sign of, of faithfulness. Uh, there's all kinds of things that, that, that play into that. And really, rather than trying to quote-unquote keep score by how large a church is or by how many people show up on a Sunday, I mean, here's the fact of the matter. Um, some large churches just have a whole lot of people who show up on Sunday and watch. There are some large churches where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, just show up and, and they just they sit and they watch. They watch other people use their gifts. They watch other people serve and then they go home. Uh, that, that doesn't make the church biblical. That doesn't make the church in, in any way, in a, in a, in a heavenly sense, uh, effective or faithful. Um, what does make a church faithful, what does make a church effective uh, is when everyone in that community of believers chooses to be a part. And whether it's a church of 15 or a church of 500 or a church of 5,000, um, when the whole church says, we choose to be faithful, we choose to joyfully be a part of what God has called us to do, that is what uh, is success. It's not about how many people show up and watch but how many people truly are pursuing the Lord and choosing to be a part of what God has called and invited us to do? And if a church is small in number, 
and they're not joyfully participating in, in the works of ministry, then they've missed it. And if a church is large in number, and their people are not joyfully participating in the works of ministry, then they've missed it. So it's not about how big or small a church is. It's about the commitment of its people to be obedient to the Lord and faithful to what He has called us to do. And, and it is just such a beautiful thing when a, when a church, no matter its size, no matter its location, uh, but when the people of that church all collectively, joyfully say, we will do what God has invited us to do, uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. And I think the world sees what the body of Christ should look like when a church chooses to live like that. Number three, even people capable of serious disobedience can be capable of joyful obedience. Um, in our reading yesterday, the people failed miserably. In our reading today, the people responded. And one of the things that leaders need to do is continually, and this is our fourth application, leaders must continually give people a chance to respond and use their gifts for the Lord. Because, as I just said with the third application, sometimes people really miss it, but those same people uh, can come back and, and do what is right. And so we want to continue to give our people a chance to obey, continue to call our people, those of us who preach or teach or, or lead discipleship groups, continually put in front of your people the call to respond in obedience. Continue to believe in your people. Um, yes, sin is a big deal, and the Lord has to deal with that. But we as leaders should not be the ones who give up on our people. We as leaders should not be the one to say, well, they, you know, they messed up last time, they're going to mess up again. They didn't do it right last time, they're not going to ever do it right. Uh, we need to believe in them and have vision for them. Um, teach the Word, pray for them. Uh, model what obedience looks like for them, and then continually give them the opportunity to respond in obedience. And then fifthly, obedience and generosity can spread. And that's what happened in the reading today with the people uh, in Moses' day. Um, he gave the invitation to respond, and men and women responded. People responded in giving. People responded with, with working and using their gifts and their skills uh, to construct uh, the tabernacle. And, and their response of joyful obedience and of joyful generosity spread all throughout the people. And so in, in your church, in your family, in your home, um, be the first one to, to say yes to what God has called you to do. Be the first one to respond in obedience. Be the first one to respond uh, in joyful generosity. Those those dynamics can spread among a family and among friends. It can spread among a congregation um, and, and help encourage other people to do what is right. And then finally, a summary from Proverbs 7. It's all about temptation and the dangers of temptation. Temptations that promise fulfillment and delight in the end lead only to futility and death. Temptation promises fulfillment and delight, but in the end leads only to futility and death. And so knowing that and because of that, let us fight temptation uh, with all of our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the uh, reading and obeying of His Word. All right, be blessed as you read and study your Bibles today.